0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. A new book has just been published by Neil Grant, looking to guide those transitioning into adulthood. It's titled Words of Wisdom from a Christian Mentor, Practical, Real Life, and Holistic Advice for the Graduate Transitioning into Adulthood. And Neil is right here with me now, and I'm going to find out all about this book. Neil, welcome to the Reader House off the Roundtable. Really appreciate you being here tonight. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Can you tell me what readers can expect when they open up Words of Wisdom from a Christian Mentor?
1: Well, I started mentoring a bunch of guys and gave them a book. With a lot of advice in there, and I figured, you know, I can do this. And I started giving them short write-ups on various things like carelessness and being content with what you have and managing your money and things like this. And I eventually turned it into a book with 34 chapters talking about their personal life, their financial life, their business life, and then their spiritual life. And the guy seemed to really appreciate it, and then I decided to publish it.
0: Mm. And exactly what kind of age range are we aiming at here, Neil? It's basically 18 to 28 is the target audience. When it comes to writing books and publishing and all that, have you ever done this before?
1: (laughs) This is the last thing that I ever expected to do. I'm a graduate (laughs) chemical engineer managing oil and gas projects in the engineering business. And
0: I just had a passion for helping young people, and uh, that's how it all started. That's fantastic, Neil. Once you got started with it, how long did this whole process take for you? Well, I had done
1: some for my Sunday school class, some of the write-ups in the spiritual life advice area. Hmm. And it took about four to five months. And then I contacted Christian Faith Publishing, and they agreed to publish. So uh, we're rolling from there. And that was middle of the year last year, 2022.
0: And after that time and that work that you put into it, Neil, that day comes, you open up the mailbox, there it is, the first copy. You actually get to see and hold your book for the first time. What was that moment like for you?
2: I
1: got to tell you, it was pretty exciting. It's something I never expected to do, and it was very gratifying. And so now the idea is to
0: let people know about it, and that's where you're helping out, and I appreciate it. I appreciate you telling me about it. What are the chances that we'll be seeing more from you in the future? Do you have any writing planned?
1: Not really. Nothing on the horizon. People have asked me if they going to be a second book, and I didn't think there'd be a first one, let alone a
0: Yeah, so you never know. Correct. <laughs> you Neil, know, when you think about all the time and hard work you put into this, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author?
1: I think what it is is on a retiree right now. People with grandkids or children will ask me if I could help their children or grandchildren, whether it be writing resumes or how to take an interview. And I guess being published, it gives it a little more impetus and a little more verification that I've done this before. And maybe this old guy has some advice for some young people.
0: Uh, when we're talking about advice, I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of writing, publishing your first book. Do you have any advice now for the aspiring authors who are listening?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's been a very interesting, educational, and somewhat frustrating at times. It Mm. just takes a while to get going. All I can say is research who you want to publish with. Christian Faith Publishing is a good company, and just be patient. It's going to happen, maybe not as quickly as you'd like it to, but it will happen.
0: And when you think about the whole process from sitting down writing it through the whole publishing thing, what did you find the most challenging part of it for you, Neil?
1: I think just deciding what was going to be in the book and the number of edit stages I went through. Mm. I spoke to some of my good friends, and they gave me some really good advice of, you know, this is a little bit too much here. Maybe you want to add stuff here. So I think that was the challenging part, making a final decision of what was going to be in the book and what I just needed to let loose and let
0: go. Well, I know a lot of people are going to find this book really valuable. Again, it's titled, Words of Wisdom from a Christian Mentor. Practical, real-life, and holistic advice for the graduate transitioning into adulthood. Again, it's written by Neil Grant, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get it anywhere, so go on over to Amazon, head over to Barnes & Noble, get on iTunes, or get down the street to your local bookstore, and you'll be able to get this book. Neil, thanks again for joining me and telling me all about this book and what you're doing. I had a nice time talking with you. I certainly appreciate your time and giving me this opportunity. Thanks so much. The book I'm looking at now is inspired from the Bible, from the story told in John 4. The book's titled, I Am the Woman at the Well. And the author, Zipporah Lucre, is right here with me now, and we're going to talk all about it. Zipporah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me.
3: Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about I Am the Woman at the Well, Zipporah? What can readers expect here?
3: Well, reading I Am the Woman at the Well is going to give you a sneak preview, pretty much, about my life over the last 25 years, being a young woman to a grown woman who has basically been desperate for love and attention and found plenty of attention, but not really the love that she was looking for. And what you'll see is the things that I go through that are really kind of crazy, but you'll also find that I found God in the middle of that whole process. Those 25 years I found God and realized that, you know, God was the most healthiest relationship that I've ever had was with Jesus Christ. And it just took me a very long time to realize that.
0: Mm. Zipporah, would you say it was women primarily that you were speaking to here?
3: Primarily, yes. But I think it would benefit for men as well, because there are people out there that are men and women that are looking for love. And I think that we sometimes forget that Jesus Christ loves us and he's with
0: us. Absolutely. When it comes to writing and publishing, Zipporah, have you ever done this kind of thing before?
3: I have not, no.
0: Congratulations. Being your first one, did it take you like forever to do?
3: It did not. Actually, I finished the book maybe about four months. I'd always wanted to write my story, but I always had this little idea of like waiting until I found the right person and got married so that I can have that beautiful ending (laughs) that I wanted.
0: (laughs) What was that spark? What was that inspiration that made you think, hey, I really got to sit down. I got to write this book and publish it. It was
3: when I realized that I was in love with Jesus. It dawned on me one day when I was just giving praise and worship, and I realized that I am truly in love with Jesus, and I just realized that how much he loved me. It it was kind of like having a best friend Mm. and not even realizing that at the end of the day, your best friend is your soulmate, and just kind of look past that best friend because that person probably just didn't seem to meet everything that you're looking for.
0: Well, Zipporah, it had to be a really special day whenever you finally got that first physical copy in of your book after probably looking at it on your computer screen for all that time. And now you get to hold this thing. What was that like?
3: It was. It was was a great moment. I was just amazed by it. I was amazed by the fact that I really did it. I was grateful for the fact that I was even able to do it. I was just, like, amazed just to be able to finally hold the book that I said I was going to write for a very long time.
0: Mm. So, have you caught the writing bug? Do you think you'll be writing more?
3: I do. I do want to write. I am. I, I am going to write another book because this book only ended with me letting people know that I did find the most healthiest relationship. But as we all know, I mean, when you go through a lot of things, especially that relationship that are really unhealthy, you're left with a lot of wounds and scars mm. internally and emotionally and everything. So, I know that with the time that I'm having with Christ and enjoying it, it's a healing process, so I do. What I, I am going to be writing a book in regards to this process of healing.
0: As you were writing and publishing this, you know, there's so many different things involved in the whole process. Zipporah, what did you find the most challenging part of things for you?
3: The most challenging was really getting through it because I cried so much. i, I stopped so many times and just cried so many times through the situations that I've been through. And then looking back and seeing where I came from and what things I had to face and challenges that I overcame and just seeing how good God was to me through it, just it was so hard to get through a chapter without crying.
0: <laughs> what a fantastic message. I encourage my listeners to go seek this book out. Again, it's titled, I Am the Woman at the Well. It's written by Zipporah Lucre and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing And, of course, you can find it anywhere, so head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this up. Zipporah, it's been wonderful talking with you here tonight and learning all about your hard work in this book. Thank you so much for talking. Thank you. Joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Willie Earl Means. Willie, thank you for joining me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, sir, about the book. I appreciate your time. Congratulations on getting this audio book out. The title is Willie Means Well, but it don't work out sometimes. The mail featuring my letter to the president and other editorials. Willie, can you tell me all about this book?
4: Well, the book is about life in general. Back during my time in the military when I was in combat arms in Germany, you know, we read a lot. And, you know, one day the lieutenants and I looked at us and said, you know, y'all read so much, y'all to write a book. <laughs> so through the years, I had began writing down names of things, you know, you come across something. Mm. And you tell yourself, you know, I would like to write about that someday. And finally, here in Georgia. I just got a time, you know, and I did one book. It was called Willie Means Well, but it don't work out sometimes. Some things I have seen, you know, that the first years of my life when I left home in Chicago back in 76. Every place we ever dwelled in, it had some unusual happenings to take place there. So I just started keeping track of it. And, you know, everybody had their story to tell. But, you know, with me, mom raised six of us by herself, three boys and three girls. And wow. there were just some things happening that, I guess the best thing to say, you know, you see so much stuff on television. And like I pointed out one thing I said, Hollywood put that risky term to it called deja vu. I said, you know, it is hard to deny something when you see it with your own eyes or you feel it when it touches you. And all of a sudden you realize that it's like your mom had a gift and she passed it on to all of us. So I always told myself I would never be the person to tell a person that they didn't see what they said or they didn't hear what they hear. Because I said, you know, we don't know what another person is taking part of.
0: Well, Willie, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors just starting out. They want to write their first book. Do you have any advice that you could offer them to get them started off on the right foot?
4: Well, the best thing to do is, uh, you know, with me, I would got down little notes that I did and everything. I would encourage them to get you on little pocket recorders. You know, you see something in passing, you know, say, you know what? I saw this today and I think I'll write about it later. Mm -hmm. And as I wrote down many other things, then all of a sudden I started putting the outline of it together. And from the outline, I started typing. And of course, I didn't type straight through. Like I said, it took me over a year and a half, Mm -hmm. especially with I had an injury to my left shoulder. And, uh, you know, I'll get tired and everything. So I would have to take a break. And then there's that thing called writer's block. It sets in when you're trying to find time to write, but you just can't get the right idea. But the thing of it is, every time something comes up, then sit down and make yourself try. Mm-hmm. You know, and eventually it'll come back to you and you start writing again. It's
0: great advice. Now, Willie, you have a couple books out now. What are the chances that we're going to see more from you? Actually,
4: like I say, from my time back then in Germany when I was in an artillery unit, Every time I come up with an idea, you know, I would write down a little bit of things. But through the years, I had laundry list, a bunch of books I would like to write about. And there was a couple of times I spoke to some people about them, and I actually seen a couple of my titles made in the books. I can't remember them. And one particular one that came real close to a title that I intend to still write about from my military experience, when Mel Gibson did that movie, We Were Soldiers, he came so close to the title of the one of the books that I want to do about my military experience. So I said, I'll shut my mouth, and I told myself, I want to put everything I can behind this book first. Mm. I said, when well, I figure I put every effort in it to get this book to sell it. then I will sit down and probably start on a book about the military and also one about my track and field days from high school and college.
0: Well, we're looking forward to those, Willie. And I think a lot of readers are going to be really interested in this book. Again, it's titled Willie Means Well, but it don't work out sometimes. The meal featuring my letter to the president and other editorials. This is written, of course, by Willie Earl Means, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So you can pick it up everywhere you get your audiobooks. Audible, Apple iTunes Store, Amazon, wherever you go. Willie, thanks again for joining me here and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. Mr. Corey.
4: Like us, I appreciate the time. Mr. Corey, you have a god bless evening now.
0: The poetry in this book is aimed to instill listeners and readers with joy, peace, and a sense of love. It's titled Poems of Inspiration, Contemplation, and Love, featuring Damn Money. This is written by Barry Stewart, and we're going to talk all about this here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Got Barry here with me. Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Ah, thank you so much for inviting me. Well, the pleasure is all mine. I'm interested in finding out about poems of inspiration, contemplation, and love. Can you tell me about it, Barry?
5: Yes. What is the book of feelings, emotions, happiness, joy, loss, humor, friendship,
0: communication, positive thinking, motivation, and how to connect to the universal rhythm. I love the positivity that you're emitting here, Barry. What gave you the idea to write this and publish it?
5: Well, I started getting poems, you know, in my head. I didn't really write a book or anything like that, but I knew I had something. And so I started to write down, compile everything that was coming in. So as it went on, then it came to me a a suggestion in my head, you know, I can make a book. I can do a book. Mm. And so when I got the last poem, Poems of Damn Money,
0: I knew it was finished. That would be the conclusion of the poem. And so then I said, well, let me get it produced. How long of a time span are we talking here, Barry, once you started writing the poetry up until you decided to publish it?
5: Well, this it took it really took uh, 10 years, mm. actually, to write down the poems. And I see that uh, the poems, I didn't really, I didn't sit down and say, well, this word rhymes with another word and something like that. This just came to me in my mind. It wasn't something that I was planning on.
0: Everything it's how I received it from the universe. And I wrote it down just as I, I received it. Mm-hmm. Well, Barry, is this your first time at writing and publishing? Yes, this is my first time. Oh, wow, congratulations. What was it like when you got that first one in the mail and you got to actually hold your book?
5: Well, you know, I was elated, I was happy,
0: joyful, content. I was just felt completed. Well, Barry, publishing your first book, I'm sure you learned a lot in that process. Do you have any advice, anything you picked up that you could throw out there for the first time authors?
5: Yes, from my experience, follow your thoughts. Keep control of your work. My poems reflect this line of
0: thought, of thinking, and put your thoughts on paper. Put it all down on paper. That's great advice. Now, Barry, looking ahead, do you think we can expect to see more books for me in the future? Yes, I have a lot of things in progress. It's on the shelf
5: waiting. It may not be another poem type book, and it won't be a bios or a biography because I don't really like reading those. But it will be on the many things funny or sad that happened to me through life Hmm. and how
0: I developed my paradigm over a period of time that turned the negative into positive thinking. Now, Barry, when you think about the whole publishing process and the production of the audio book, what did you find to be the most challenging part of it for you?
5: The most challenging part
0: was really the back and forth thing to get the person with the right tone that I was wanting. And Barry, now that you look back over it all, what's the most rewarding aspect to you of now being a published author?
5: I accomplished what I set out to do. Mm. And it's my thoughts on the paper, it's my thoughts. But one of my things with publishing is that my creative ability is not going to be changed. And it has to be the way I express it and want it. And so that was uh,
0: good to me, and it was satisfying to me that the way I think is in the audiobook. Now, Barry, when you write and you publish and everything, it's hard to do it all by yourself. Did you have people who were kind of there to back you up? They could encourage you and motivate you along the way? When I told some family members that I was going to write a book, one of the
5: negative things that one of them said was, what do I have that somebody want to hear? That's harsh. They turn that negativity into something positive. Now, oh my God, they look at and say, "Oh, this is great! This is great!" (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, they want to help me to do something when they just threw out all that negativity. Uh But it's part of my book is to encourage people
0: to go on and don't let that negativity slow them up and cause them not to, because everyone has something to say. Well, Barry, I love the positivity in this book, and I know the readers and listeners out there are going to pick up on that and love it as well. Again, this book is titled. Poems of Inspiration, Contemplation, and Love, featuring Damn Money. This is written by Barry Stewart, and of course, this is by the Audiobook Network, so you can get it anywhere that you pick up your audiobooks, like on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere you go for audiobooks. Well, Barry, thanks again for joining me and telling me about your poetry and all about this audiobook. I had a really nice time talking tonight.
5: Oh, me too, and thank you so much for calling.
0: The audiobook version of the exciting novel by Janice Halliday has just hit all the major outlets. It's titled Death Treasures. Unfortunately, before the publishing of this book, Janice passed away and her husband, Scott Halliday, took over the publishing and he got this audiobook out. Scott is right here with me now and we're going to talk all about this book and about that process. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me, Corey. I really appreciate y'all doing this for her, me as well as her.
0: Mm, well, I appreciate your time and certainly appreciate all that you've done for Janice. So first of all, Scott, can you tell me about Death Treasures itself, what it's all about, and then sort of how it came into being? Uh, what happened with Janice and how this got published?
2: Okay. The book talks about my buddy and myself searching for lost Spanish treasure in the Pike National Forest in Colorado. We discovered a wormhole, time dimension, and ended up going through that. Quite the adventure along the way, there were large creatures, Sasquatch-type known as the Watchers, and we did find the treasure and brought part of it back into this dimension and met with a college professor, museum curator, who agreed kind of took a hold. But everything ended up good in the end. It's quite an adventure. It
0: certainly is. Then Janice, unfortunately, she had this all ready to go and unfortunately passed away. So you kind of took the reins there.
2: Yes, sir, I did. It was, again, she based it off of uh, my buddy and I going treasure hunting. She did enjoy watching the Sasquatch films on TV and and whatnot, the uh, reality shows that they have or anything dealing with the Bigfoot and the Sasquatch and was into the sci-fi and the time dimension, time travel and whatnot. And so she combined everything about that mm-hmm. into one story. She had been working on it for, oh, I'd say four or five years. And in the last few months of her life, she had been diagnosed with lung cancer. Janice was a tiny lady, and I quit my job and took care of her. I wanted to see this dream of hers fulfilled. She said she always wanted to complete something, and unfortunately, she didn't make it to the end. But I took the reins while she was on the deathbed here at home. I brought her home and did the hospice with her and went over some of the edits as best as I could with her Mm. and working with the publisher. My friend Jimmy, and I don't know if the cover will be available on the audiobooks. It is available on the paperback or hardback, but kind of a strange coincidence is he had moved away from the area and called me up as we were nearing the end, and she wanted him and I on the cover of the book, so he called, wanted to go out to lunch. I told him I couldn't leave. Then my stepdaughter calls, and says, hey, can I come up and see mom? And I said, well, that's great. I need to go out to lunch with Jimmy and then I wanna bring him back to the house and we can get a picture up at the rock where we got married. It's on the property here. So mm. everything worked out great. And it's my duty to fulfill her dreams with the book and get it done. She was just an awesome lady, you mm. know, and it was certainly up to me to to get it finished.
0: So I take it this was Janice's first book. She wasn't exactly a seasoned writer? No, sir, not
2: at all. She had written a couple of children's books way, way, way back in... uh I think, in the 80s and never did anything with them. And unfortunately, I don't know where they are. I may stumble across them one of these days. But no, this was her first book. And I tell you what, it's fantastic. Everybody that I have talked to that has read
0: the book has just been very, very excited about it. I know a lot of readers are going to love going on the adventure in this book, and I encourage everybody to check it out. It's called Death Treasures. It's written by Janice Halliday, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. You can find it everywhere that you pick up your audiobooks, of course, Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon. Go check it out. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining me and telling me all about Janice's life and her work here. I had a really nice time talking. You bet, Corey. Have a good day. Angels and Anecdotes. It's the new book written by Sharon Rose Grossi. It just hit stores and we get to talk all about it right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sharon is sitting right here with me. Sharon, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight.
3: Thank you.
6: I'm I'm going to enjoy it, I'm
0: sure. I'm going to enjoy this too because I want to find out all about angels and anecdotes. It sounds really interesting, Sharon. Can you tell me about it?
6: Well, it's stories that have happened to me since I was a child, and I did not consider them angel stories until COVID hit. And of course, we spent a lot of time alone, and I started jotting down the things that have happened to me, the times I've heard God's voice, and, and angels have accompanied me, and I thought, now that would make a good little thing. So I started writing. And by the time I got done, I had several stories, and I would find myself getting the chills down the back of my spine. I'm going, oh, wow, this is interesting. I think maybe other people might enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I might try and do, do more stories together and make it sort of into a book form. So I did, and I have enjoyed it.
0: What kinds of readers do you think would be really into Angels and Anecdotes, Sharon?
6: I believe it would be interesting for anybody, even if they don't believe in angels, because by the time they finish the book, they might, Mm. might believe in angels, (laughs) because some of them are so powerful that people just absolutely almost fall over when they hear some of them. I literally, literally, there's one in the book about my son after he died, sending me a sign that he was happy, and I had asked for that, and within two days it came, and it was so powerful that I have actually told it to men that were people that serviced his car or done something for him in the past that were close to him. And they literally almost fell over when they heard that story. And then I happened to be in the hospital at some time, and I was telling one of the people doing a heart scan on me about the story. And I looked up at her and tears were flowing down the front of her face. And she was so touched by that story. And I'll have to say the reason anecdotes comes in is they're not all angels, but little side stories come into play with it. And that's where that word comes in. And I will share with you that when I wrote the book, I knew angels had accompanied me from time to time, and I write about that, especially the first story when I was a little girl. But the more I thought about it, after the book was actually published and in my hands and I'm reading it, I thought, wow. I don't know that those times when I heard the voice that it was angels, I do believe I heard God's voice. And then as I'm reading the Bible again, which I've done over and over and over, I like to tell people I came out of my mother's womb a Christian because she was a Christian and she made sure we knew all about Jesus. But I read the Bible and read the Bible. I was reading again in the Gospels about Jesus had many names. And one of them was Emmanuel, God with us. So if he's with us, He's in us, and it was his voice I heard, and that took on a whole new meaning for even me, the author, it took on a new meaning for me. So that was why I did the book. It's why I found comfort in the book. And people are loving the book, and I've had complaints, but the complaints are that it's too short. Everyone except one person loves it, and they want more of it. Well, I don't have more of it. I <laughs> what I can do the book. But I am going to have some roundtables in my home over time with people that have bought the book because I've already sold many and they've ordered them too. But I want to discuss it and they can ask me anything they want. I can add to it some more things that happened because of the stories in the book. Especially there's a story about a little cradle with a doll in it. It concerned my granddaughter when she was sick as a baby. And recently, her father was in deep trouble needing some surgery that I knew was going to be painful. I was sobbing, literally sobbing and doing laundry, worried about my son. And I walked into my bedroom and that cradle on my dresser was rocking back and forth and playing music. Now, that took my breath away. And my son did not have pain. That's the bottom line. He did not have pain. There are things that have happened since the book that are as powerful or more so as the book itself.
0: I think a lot of readers are going to love this book. I encourage everybody listening to go seek this one out. Again, it's called Angels and Anecdotes. It's written by Sharon Rose Grossi and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere, of course, like Amazon Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on here and telling me all about this book. I had a nice time talking.
6: Well, I appreciate it, Corey, and I've
0: enjoyed talking to you also. I have a book in my hands right here now that looks to show readers what it is said in Philippians 2.3. It is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. The book is titled My Life Was Predestined by God, My Story. It's written by Roderick A. Johnson. Right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about this book. Roderick is here with me now. Roderick, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
7: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's my pleasure to have you here, Roderick, and I'm really excited to learn all about what you've written, and my life was predestined by God. Can you tell me about it?
7: Well, the book itself is about my life story. It shows how God took me from nothing and made something beautiful out of my life. As a child, I had to leave school at the age of 13. I worked from the age of 13 to present. And because I had to drop out of school, I did not have an early education. Mm -hmm. Coming to America, this is where God saved me and worked in my life. I am who I am today because of what God has done in my life. And it's all in the book. God, the Holy Spirit, He has been my teacher. And it's amazing what you can do. It's about also a woman that God placed in my life, my bride. It also speaks of the adopted son that God gives to us, how he kept me from prison. But it's because of my life was built. I've been possessed by God. According to Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, which says, according as he has chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to his good pleasure of his will. So you, I believe that my life and every believer's life has been predestined by God to be adopted into the family of God. Because we are predestined, He has our lives in His hand. Mm. He knows everything we will do, every problem we may fall in. He knows about it before it happens. And God has delivered me throughout my life, from childhood to now, in so many ways with God, and it's in the book.
0: Roderick, what inspired you to write your story and publish it for the world?
7: Well, what God took me what I went through, and the many things He delivered me from. Mm. He caused me to escape death twice. I could have killed somebody, and God allowed a woman, a godly woman, and this was before I became a Christian. I came to New God two weeks after I arrived in America.
0: Wow, Roderick, how long did this take you to write? I imagine it would have taken you quite a while.
8: No,
7: not really, because it was so embedded in me after Mm. the miracle that God performed in my life. That is what caused me even to go forth at my age and write this book. And it took me approximately, I would say, about seven, six, seven months. And after I finished writing the book, I give it to one of my sisters in the Lord, and she proofread it. And she got me the publisher, and she did everything because I was not learned in that area.
0: Well, Roderick, what do you think the chances are you'll be writing more?
7: I don't know. At present, I do not have that in mind. I think this was the book because it portrays my life. And I believe that those that read this book may see themselves and they may understand that our lives are predestined by God and we are not to give up when trials or tests come our way.
0: Well, this book certainly has a great message, and I do believe a lot of readers are going to be blessed by it. Again, the title is My Life Was Predestined by God, My Story. It's written by Roderick A. Johnson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And, of course, you can get it everywhere that you buy your books. So head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this up. Roderick, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me about this wonderful book. I had a nice time talking with you.
7: Thank you, my brother, and God bless you, and God bless the hearers and readers of this book.
0: What does the Bible say about angels, and how do they have influence in the world? Well, the new book by Timothy R. Williams takes on those questions and more. In his new book, Angels Are Among Us, we get to talk all about this right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tim is joining me. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Good to be here. It's good to have you. Tim, can you tell me all about Angels Are Among Us? What can readers expect here?
8: This book is
9: a little different from most of the books out here on the market. This is a teaching book on angels. I did my research. I've seen there was around 282 scriptures on angels. I'm a missionary, and I was in Africa, actually, and was needing to teach on angels, and I could not find a curriculum. Mm. And so I felt in my spirit to just sit down and do the study and write a curriculum. And during writing this curriculum, I just realized that this was a book that was very much needed. I've got lots of books on angels, and the difference in my book and other books is I have no stories in my book on angels. It's all biblical truths, and it's a teaching book. I think there's 14 chapters total, and so if a person is interested in finding out how angels operate, where they come from, how we activate them in our lives, how they're going to play out in the end time, then this is a book for them. The problem I had... I had a lot of people ask me, say, why don't you put your stories in it? Because I've got a lot of stories that I believe that the angels were involved in over the mission fields over the years. But the problem with that is you have no way to prove those stories. Mm. And so I just didn't want to put them in there. So that's the reason I made this a biblical fact book. And. I've already had a great response. I've got pastors that's already took the book and are using it as a weekly study book on Wednesday nights. And so if a person is, you know, if they really want to learn about angels and how they play out in our lives today, then Angels Are Among Us is the book for them. I've taught it in Africa at three different Bible schools and had a great response. I'm leaving again Thursday to go over to Africa and taking about 150 of these books with me over there. It really is a great need.
0: Now, Tim, once you sat down, you started working on this, how long of an undertaking was it for you?
9: Well, I spent about 40 hours the first week. I'd down at the desk at about eight o'clock in the morning and work, try to work about eight hours a day to get the foundation and get my scriptures. But it took me over about six months to put it all together, get it to where it was in the right format and to where it would be what I thought would be something that somebody would enjoy reading. And it's a very easy book to read. Everything I've tried to do in the past, I've tried to do it where it was written on about no more than a 10th grade education where everybody can read it. I have a large library of my own that I've accumulated over 40 some years. And so I realized the importance of making the book readable. Mm. I have a lot of books in my library that I've only read parts of the book. I get frustrated because of the big words and it was just too wordy. Angels Are Among Us is not a wordy book. It's an easy read, and like I say, you can read it easily in a couple days. I've read the book probably at least 20 times,
7: mm. <laughs>
9: maybe more, and I learn from it even myself every time I read it. Mm. I keep it handy. I use it as a devotional book myself because angels play such an important role in my life, and everyone's life, I believe, especially as a minister and a missionary. I believe they're active in my life every day. As I do, I believe they're in your, active in your life every day, too. You can read this book without your Bible. I recommend you use your Bible. But you could read it without your Bible and still get all the Bible scriptures.
0: Tim, have you given more thought to maybe writing more after this one?
9: I've got a lot of books inside of me. I've had so many people over the years. matter of fact, 21 years ago, I had a Bible school that I was at. The administrator spoke over me that there was books inside of me that I, that needed to come out. And so I've had several people speak that over me, and I've always had a desire to write. I love to write. But being a missionary, you're very busy, and it's just sometimes hard to sit down and make it happen. Mm. I do have two other books that I'm working on right now, and one is on faith, Faith for the Impossible. And the other one, I haven't picked a title for it yet, but we've got two more in the works.
0: Wonderful. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book and should go check it out. Again, it's titled Angels Are Among Us. It's written by Timothy R. Williams, published by Christian Faith Publishing. And it's available everywhere. So head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this book. Tim, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much about telling me about your work and about this book and everything. I had a nice time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Author Barb Leon has written an important new book about a pretty sensitive topic. And now the audiobook version is out. We're talking about walking onto sacred ground sharing a registered nurse's career in oncology and hospice to diminish the fear and anxiety about death. And right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about this book and audiobook. Barb is here with me now. Barb, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Congratulations on having this new book out. Barb, can you tell me what you've written about here?
6: My career as an RN started in oncology and hospice. I was in this important part of my career for several years, and when my daughter came to me about her fear of death, I decided rather than so many different avenues and different thoughts I had about talking about death in my career, I would write the book and be able to give it to her as a reference for years to come. So she was the main reason why I wrote the book.
0: Mm. How long did this take you once you sat down and started it?
6: Writing, my process is to write down different thoughts, different memories, and putting it all together in a sequence that is understandable. So I'm going to say six months.
0: Barb, did you have certain readers, certain listeners that you were speaking to here?
6: Well, in this case, it was to my daughter. It was in my voice, in my way of speaking to her in a kind way, Mm. how she would receive my information. So it was geared towards her.
0: And when it comes to writing and publishing, everything like that, Barb, are you new to this, or have you done it before?
6: I have written another book, Hmm. and in fact, I'm working on the second edition right now. Oh, wow. This was Bullies, Bosses, and Angels. The second edition will have the same title, but with different information, more helpful information, as far as the reason why I wrote the book.
0: I can imagine wouldn't get old every time that first copy comes in of the book you just wrote. You've just been seeing it on the computer for months and months. And finally, that physical one comes in and you get to hold it in your hands, Barb. But what kind of a moment is that like?
6: Oh, it's incredible because I have always written like and written in journals and thoughts and poems. And this is the first time I ever really realized I could put my thoughts together that would mean something to someone. So it was a very good feeling to be having that accomplishment.
0: A lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So, Barb, based on everything that you've experienced in writing, do you have any advice that you could offer them?
3: I believe
6: that if you could get discouraged by introducing your book or your thoughts, what you've written and a manuscript has been turned down, keep trying because You really truly believe that this is a message that someone will appreciate or be able to use or guide them in their decisions, say in a a career or how they're processing a death of a loved one. uh, That would be informative and informational to them to help, like in this case, the fear of the death of their loved one, what they're going through, what to expect, even your own death. To acknowledge, like my daughter was very appreciative of when I finished this book and she was able to read it, that it did relieve her fears. So that was that was good.
0: Mm-hmm. And now this is the audiobook version, Barb. What was it like hearing your book as opposed to reading it?
6: Well, the person that I chose to read it has a very similar voice that I do. Very soft-spoken, kind, informative. And she spoke in a manner as if she was talking to someone. So in my case, I always try to speak in a manner that I was talking to a friend or a family member or even a patient's family is something that was very critical in my memory of what they went through, what the patient goes through. And so it was the perfect person for me to have her read my book.
0: Well, this is certainly an important book. I know so many readers are going to be blessed by it. And this, of course, is the audiobook, so you can listen to it now as well. It's titled Walking onto Sacred Ground, sharing a registered nurse's career in oncology and hospice to diminish the fear of anxiety about death. It's written by Barb Leon, and of course, this is published by the Audiobook Network. You can find it on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon or anywhere you pick up your audiobooks. Well, Barb, thanks again for coming on the show and doing all this really important work and getting it out there for everybody. I had a nice time talking with you.
6: Thank you very much. I appreciate
0: it. Sitting down beside me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Claude Phipps. Claude, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate being there. I appreciate your time. wanted to congratulate you for having a new book out in stores now. It's so exciting. It's called When Scientists Were Gods. Claude, can you tell me about it?
8: Yeah, well, these days it's hard to remember. There was a time a half century ago when scientists were gods, honored and trusted both to defend and heal us. If they said, get your polio shots, we got our polio shots. And meanwhile, some of these guys were doing things, making faithful decisions, like exploding the first atomic bomb as a secret project without telling us what was going on. In those days, in the 50s and 60s, we had faith that the science, what they basically were doing, the scientists were doing for us. And so the book is sort of about that hubris that everyone had, including the scientists themselves, which sometimes where well, we trusted them more than we might have ought to. Mm. They were telling us that it was okay, when actually, at the during the you know the test of the first atomic bomb, Fermi was saying, "How do we know it won't ignite the atmosphere?" Well, somebody did a back of the envelope calculation
0: that said it would be okay, but he took on that responsibility for the whole world, you know. Mm. <laughs> well, wow, Claude, what sorts of readers were you speaking to with this book?
8: Oh, I want to speak to non-scientists people who perhaps have little memory of those distant past things. And also, I'd like to point out that these guys, they weren't evil. They were just excited about what they were doing. And Mm. in those days, they were permitted to do it. In later years, a lot of these guys tried to do something that was good for humanity. For example, my hero in the first part of the book, Dr. Ray Kidder, really was a major proponent of nuclear non-proliferation, and that was a good thing. He really, without him, things would have been a lot worse in the world. Mm. He really wanted to stimulate people to not explode these things and do it underground if you had to, but not fill the air with pollution. Mm.
0: Claude, this sounds like a book that would have taken you an awful long time to do, considering all the research that was involved. Is that the case?
8: That's the case. It took... The first part of it is based on an interview I did with Ray Kiddert over about five hours six years ago or so. These people went from being, look what I can do in my sandbox, to what can I do to help the world? Hmm. Ray, for example, was one of the people who managed the mic shot, which sank a part of a Bikini Atoll and, and killed some Japanese fishermen. It was, I forget, 15 megatons or something like that. He went from that to really trying to limit the use of nuclear weapons mm. and the testing of nuclear weapons during his lifetime. The other part that most people, many people don't know is that in the 50s, I look up and the sky was really red, and yet you could see stars to it. I'm going, what the heck is this? And it was actually an atomic test in the South Atlantic, which had, which no one was told about, several, I think 20, 30 kilotons up there, 300 miles above the ocean. And the electrons that that explosion created were bouncing back and forth along the Earth's magnetic field. You Nathan know, Oxgott and Boston read.
0: Oh, wow. So
8: it was something to look into to find out what that was. It took me about five years to realize what it was because it was secret at that time. I'm saying it ain't secret anymore. I'm not telling you anything that's secret right now.
0: Mm. So, Claude, when it comes to writing, publishing, things like that, is this the first time you've done this? Yeah, it is. Mm. I have another book, but nothing
8: with this kind of content.
0: So, when that first copy finally came in of When Scientists Were Gods, Claude, and you saw your name there on the cover and you got to hold this thing that you put so much work into, what was that day like?
8: Huh. Well, I was really happy to see that casino on the cover. And I have to say that Newman Springs did a really good job on the cover as well. Mm. They made it a much more exciting book visually. Mm.
0: It's titled When Scientists Were Gods. It's written by Claude Phipps. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing, you can get it everywhere. So head over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this up. Well, Claude, I really appreciate your time coming on the show and telling me all about this great work. I hope we get to talk again sometime. You
8: bet. I agree also. Thank you very much for your time.
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.